so blue You found me when no one would love me And no one knew just what to do again close by. Amen. So faithful to us. Let's sing, lead me, Lord. I will follow. I will go. Lead me, Lord. to that call. That's what he's looking for. He wants a complete surrender. He wants us to step in when something to be done. Amen. We want to be sensitive tonight. We know that the Lord has 
something in his heart, something he wants to share with us. And we just want to be reverent, respectful. And I'm just going to ask maybe if our brother Roy, it's good to see you, my friend. If you could maybe open for us in a word of prayer, sure appreciate it. I don't have any prayer requests. If there was one, I apologize. So if you have a, a need on your heart, you just lift up your hands, hold it in your heart. The Lord knows it, and he remembers. Amen, Brother Roy. Let's pray. Our gracious, wonderful, loving Heavenly Father, it's always an honor and a privilege to be gathered together in the house of God the house of prayer the place which you have dedicated for us to come together with our lakes of fire to worship the one and true and only living God tonight Father we thank you for those who are able to be here tonight we ask that Father your anointing will come on each heart to, to just worship and praise you and to receive that which you have for us tonight Father we pray for those who are not able to be here, Father. We know that there are many who are joined with us tonight through the streaming of the services, Father. We pray that you will go to each need, each heart tonight, Lord, each family, each home, Father. And that you will meet each one individually in a very special way, Father. For we are safe, we are, we are in a time where there's so much uncertainty in this world, Lord. There is no certainty in the world. There is no truth in the world. But we've come to the God of truth and the God of certainty tonight. The one who is able to direct and to guide our footsteps, Father, and to bring us back into our ought-to-be condition tonight. This is why we are here tonight, Father, because we know that you've prepared your servant with a message that will take us closer, that will lead us in the path that we should be walking tonight, Father. Lord, we know that there are many requests, though they haven't been spoken, but we just ask that, Father, you will just meet each one in their special need tonight, Father. We pray especially for our precious brother Tom tonight, Lord. Father, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not praying too much for him, Lord, because we know you're a God that hears and answers prayers. Oh, Father, we pray tonight that you will just move on brother Tom's behalf. We pray that the dove of God, the Holy Spirit, will just hover over him tonight, Father. We pray that you will go into the area of his life, of his need, where he needs healing, Father. Especially, O oh God, on the ankle where, Lord, the physicians have done all they can. But we pray that the great physician will come down in a special way for our brother tonight, Lord. And just touch him, Father. For we know that you are able... Father, we do not demand, but we ask graciously tonight, Father, that you will meet our precious brother. That you will release the pain and the suffering that he's, in the go he's been undergoing for such a long time. And that you will just help him, Father, to stand again, to be in his post of duty where, Lord, he is most comfortable. So we ask that, Lord, you will bless him. We pray for the services of God across the border at the camp. We just ask, Lord, that you will just come in a special way, touch every heart. 
meet every need, Father. For we know that in your presence, Lord, great things can happen. We believe in a God of the supernatural. And we ask that the supernatural will come amongst us tonight, Father, in a very special way. We ask that you will bless the rest of the service. Meet every need, Lord. And we welcome you, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. seats and let's go to song 1128 one of my favorite songs in Christ alone my hope is found I have a lot of hopes I hope I don't lose my job this week I hope my vehicle runs good I hope I have enough money to cover all my bills but those are all temporal things we we have a hope in Jesus. We have a hope that there's been a rapture. I just see all this empty space, and I just wish all our brothers and sisters in the United States could just fill these pews right now, and we just look at each other, and then the rapture would come when we'd be out of here. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song.
Come. 
Brother Ken, is he there? We can't see you. All right, well, we'll just have to keep singing until we get our our glitches working the way they're supposed to work. Why don't we sing, Into the Chamber, Be Free, Holy Spirit. two or three are gathered together he said he'd be with us so we're very thankful for that that he's with us tonight hallelujah you may be seated for a moment but i want to greet you in the name of the lord jesus christ our god and our savior we are gathered here at mount baker bible way camp i understand that this may be watched by other people besides in cloverdale in here so um, the way it's set up is uh, we're speaking here in the service. It's being streamed to the congregation gathered at Cloverdale Bible Way uh, in uh, British Columbia, Canada. So greetings to you in Cloverdale. God bless you. Can't hear them either. <laughs> so greetings also to the hundreds of persons that are streaming in their homes or cars or they may just be out somewhere. Maybe maybe they're working. 
And uh, wherever it is, we greet you. And the Lord Jesus Christ is not only here, but he's wherever you are. If you're calling upon the name of the Lord and you have confidence in him, then he'll be there with you as well. I want to give a very sincere thank you to Brother Tom Ray and to our pastor, Brother Biscoe, for the invitation to speak uh, to you tonight. And we are praying and believing for Brother Tom's full recovery. That's the way God does it, full recovery. If it's a miracle, it's instant. If it's a healing, it's gradual. But it gets done. And the Lord knows that. It's good to be here knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ is present. I'm under expectation that he will meet your needs. We're more than two or three here. But whatever you individually have in your heart as a need, whatever experience you're going through right now, you can reach out to the Lord by faith and have what you're asking for. Anything he's promised, he will do. It could be cleansing by his word, forgiveness of all of your sins, and filling, refilling of himself with the Holy Ghost. And healing our sick and our tired bodies, which is an earnest of our resurrection when the whole body comes out new. So these are facts, and we're thankful, Lord, for being real and making his words real. This evening, I want to recognize and honor my faithful wife, Sister Joyce. Could you please stand, honey? I'm sure they see you there. God bless you. She has stood with me 100% of my ministry for the last 58 years since we were married. She's bore the burden of raising our six children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And uh, she is still my eternal mate from glory. God bless you, dear. We became acquainted with Brother Bisco in the 70s, 1970s and 1980s by the meetings he was holding in the East in Ohio and in different places, Murfreesboro, Tennessee as well. And in January 1987, Brother uh, Bisco invited me to minister in the log church behind this very same pulpit right here. And in 1988, we began moving our family to this church. So God bless you, uh, Brother Bisco and his continuing ministry. Because a man's ministry does continue. It may be other people that's working with that man. But there is no dead ends because it's Christ. Christ did not finish all of his work. And so he has ministers and the bride of Christ that is continuing the work. Jesus Christ living through them. So it just lives on because there's a main one involved. And that's Jesus Christ, God himself. Amen. Um, the last time I was with you and preached was seven months ago exactly on March 11th before our church and the next service and the Canadian government closed their North American continent border to the United States except for those that were essential. And during this time, I believe that one of God's objectives has been to deal with every individual upon the earth. I believe that's one of the objectives that he's having. Because the prophet of God preached a sermon that God does not call a man to judgment 
without first warning him. And people on the entire globe, 7 billion people, they've all heard some truth. They may not have heard this message, but they've heard some truth. And they're going to have to give an, a, a reckoning to God at the judgment day. And God is obligated to deal with that person concerning what truth he received or what truth he rejected, whatever part in his lifetime. Now we know that this message will be believed by the bride universally. And in every church age, there's been a portion of that bride. And they believe the portion of the word that Christ was manifesting of himself to that specific age. And they are part of the bride as well. I want to read to you uh, two quotations by Brother Branham regarding God's attitude during this uh, during uh, during this epidemic or toward medical science the first is in uh, expectations and leadings of the spirit 1957 brother Branham said I believe that all healing comes from God I do not condemn doctors I think that doctors are God sent to us hospitals and clinics do I condemn them I certainly and constantly pray for them that God will give them knowledge to help poor suffering humanity and I'm very grateful to God for everything that he's done for penicillin for the salk vaccine and everything that he's done and pray that the hour will soon come when they'll find something to curb cancer and the other diseases if it ever comes, it will have to come through God alone. I think if we Christians would spend more time, much time, praying for that, we would be better off to the whole human race. The next quote was from Beaumont, Texas in 1961. The prophet said, I thank God for every serum and that they had got for the salt vaccine. And I pray constantly that God will give us something for cancer. For poor suffering people, anything can do the help. Anything that can help. I'm for it. Yes, sir, I'm 100% for it. And if we Christian people would pray more and such things as that, we'd be better off. The whole country would. Yes, great men, they give their lives just trying to fight back at those things that cripple children and everything. Can, certainly, I certainly thank God for everything that he has for us. Amen. So I think we'll do that then. We'll pray for those that are searching and working. That's their talent. That's their gift. I remember one place Brother Branham said that um, a mechanic, automobile mechanic, is ordained the same as a minister. Wow. It's because we're ordained with the gifts that God's placed within us to use that gift and expression in the natural for God's glory. And these doctors uh, and research people, they have a gift. I don't have it. Most of us here don't have that. But We'll pray for them, won't we? How many will pray for them now? We will pray for them. Continue to pray. Amen. 
We want to say thank you to everyone in our church assembly who has labored during this epidemic time and the separation by the border. Appreciate everything that everyone's done, whether it's the uh, deacons, the trustees, the song leader, the musicians, the ministry, everything that everyone has done to try to cope with this separation and still be together. Amen. So let's stand together. I want to quote to you a, a song that we love. And that's fine, musicians. You can go down, if you will. And this is a, a chorus that we won't sing right now, but I'll quote it. God will make a way. You've all heard that. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. Amen. Amen. I guess we could have sung it anyway, but trying to coordinate with other congregations at the same time, that's not going to work. Amen. So let's bow our heads in prayer, if you will. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be assembled here together with you. We believe it's literal. We believe that you, the resurrected Christ, the anointed one, the God of heaven that was in flesh and now in a glorified form by your Holy Spirit is present here within your people. And Lord Jesus, we're under expectancy that you are going to keep your word and do just what you've said you will do. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would anoint me on what you've laid on my heart. Anoint the people that you know their needs and I don't. That you'll be able to take what is said and apply it in your way, Lord, to each life here and in the Cloverdale Assembly and in the homes and wherever this is heard. Lord Jesus, under anticipation to believe, you will give to them the desires of their heart. Ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you'd remain standing while we read the scriptures, please. We have three Bible references. The first is in Genesis 3, then Genesis 5, and then 3 John in the New Testament, chapter 1. So in Genesis 3, 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God... The they is Adam and Eve. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. It was a daily unity until they left God's word. And then in chapter 5 of Genesis... Verse 21 through 24. And Enoch lived 600 or 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Now that's our subject title tonight, walking with God. Verse 23, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. 
as he had walked according to God's word, then God took him. And then the third one, third, uh, third text is in third John chapter one, verse one through four. The elder unto the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wished above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy, said John, the young apostle of the twelve that was now in his nineties. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. When one stops walking in truth, they have stopped walking with God. You may be seated. We'll be referring to some other Bible verses. You may, you're welcome to write them down if you're able and want to. For an introduction to our subject, turn with me back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says that God formed, formed a man, Adam, his son, a living soul. So he formed this being. In the in the lineage, going back, it says that Adam, the son of God. Now, he wasn't Jesus Christ, the son of God, manifested in flesh. But he was the son of God because God had formed him. And then in Genesis 2, 8 and 9, it says God planted a garden. Many tr- tree fruits to eat naturally for food. So God planted this garden for them to eat food from. It was planted in the dirt. They growed and they had food of all kinds to eat. Now we go in to the um, verse 2, the second part. Chapter 2, verse 9, the second part. After he planted the garden, then it says, there's a semicolon... And then it says, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. Now, it was in the midst of the garden among the planted trees. But the tree of life was not planted in the ground. So, it's important to see the difference there that these were planted in the ground. But in the midst of the garden with all of these other trees... There was the tree of life also. The prophet of God said that clearly said that the tree of life was Christ. So when it says that God came in the evening, Christ was already there. He was already there all day long in the midst of all of the natural trees. But he was a person. He was not a tree That like grows. For example, he was the tree of life and is the tree of life. And then Brother Branham speaks of the bride of Christ today being the bride tree. And so as we go on with this verse, the third part of verse 9 says, And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
So this was not planted in the ground either. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was a person. And it was in the midst of the garden among all the other trees. But it was not a planted tree. Because it doesn't say that. It says in the midst of the garden. Or among the trees of the garden. Were the tree of life and also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it is in the midst of the garden among the planted trees, but it was not planted in the ground. Then noting also that it also was in the midst of the garden among the natural trees, that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was not planted in the ground. It also was a person, the serpent, a beast. So both persons that could walk, And both persons that could talk. The difference was that with uh, the one was God in Christ. And the other, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, was Satan in the serpent. He was a beast of the field. And he had a mind. But he did not have a soul, the prophet said. Notice also the man Adam, the son of God, had the word seed of God in his soul. The same as every one of the elect children of God, we have the word seed of God in our soul. Uh, Even before we were born physically. And then we're born physically and then as we live, we have to be born again. And that comes from the word of God coming to the word seed that's in us when we are born, but now it's come at some point in our life when God quickens that seed by the word. He is our father, the word. Now, the serpent, though. So we see that the man, Adam, the son of God, had a word seed of God in his soul. But the prophet of God said that the serpent did not have a soul. So he's walking and he's a talking beast. Five natural mind senses. So that's what your spirit is. Who are you? It's your mind. The five senses that you contact with out of your, out of your spirit realm is the five senses that's in your mind. All five senses come from the mind. Whether it's uh, memory or reasoning, uh, Or imagination. All of the five are in your mind. Well the serpent. He had a mind too. And you remember Brother Branham. Several times saying that. Satan took the mind. And God took the heart. And. Further. The serpent having no soul. To even house. The word seed of God. So he was well able to work on Eve's mind with her five senses. But oh, what sweet communion that Adam and Eve had with Christ. The tree of life. Remember the prophet bringing out in the cool of the evening that Christ, God, manifested, would talk. And that's how they lived. The scripture clearly says that we live by every word of God 
Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, that's what we live by. Not some of the words, but every word. Well, here was the tree of life, and the way they partake of it was in this communion. Jesus Christ, God in that spirit form, before he became a baby in the manger, was sharing with Adam and Eve the word of life. And they were eating that, and they were living by that, every word of God. But Satan had to have some way to get into the human race. And we know the story quite well. Then he put out, they were put out of the garden because of their unbelief in the word. Something else came in, there was a transgression. And I'm thankful that God has forgiven Adam and forgiven Eve. They will both be in that resurrection and we'll see them there. And that, and they, he shed the blood of the animals and clothed them in skins. And so that was an outward sign and they were having faith in that, that they were forgiven. Now in our text, the third uh, text, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, this John, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's amazing. People get joy out of a lot of things in life. And just living longer than all of the other apostles and being a successor after Paul to pastor the church in Corinth. Well, there he was, just that elder, and speaking to us as we read those three epistles from him. They're very encouraging and very helpful to us. But he, he, find, he, he makes a real fine point. He says, the greatest joy I have. Now, these words are important. We take it as God's words. And yet he's just writing an epistle. What was in him was writing was writing, was writing, and the works that we do, and the things that we say, and that's taking an effect on somebody. Even the deed that the woman did to him, they objected to it, and Jesus said, well, when the gospels is preached into all the nations, wherever the gospel goes, this that she's doing, that will be spoken of. Wherever the gospel goes, she's part of it. She didn't know that would be like that. But she is. So what makes you smile? One of my sons, one that lives in Indiana and works at VGR, he's, he had a saying. He said, uh, did that put a smile on your face? <laughs> He'll do something or see something. And that's just the phrase he had. So what makes you smile? What makes you happy? Naturally. What makes you happy spiritually? So what makes a prophet happy? What makes God happy? If you knew, you would do it. And worldly amusements do not satisfy a holy taste of a child of God. Even that scripture that says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I don't believe that's because he has a good memory. He suffered on the cross. He suffered in the Garden of Eden. And he remembers this and that and how you feel. I believe that God is in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. You are the body of Christ. We are a portion of his body. And his spirit, literally, it's not the wind, it's a person. He is a person. And he's in us. And that's how I believe he is touched. With a feeling 
of our infirmities. He feels it. You feel it physically. He feels it through the spirit. He's been touched. Paul called Saul. He was out persecuting the Christians. Taking them up even to their death. And Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus had already resurrected, changed, descended. The pillar, back to the pillar of fire, anointing. But he still has his body. Because there's one man, there's one intercessor that we have. And that's, as, as it says in the scriptures, the man Christ Jesus. He intercedes for us. But the point I'm making on that is that he is touched. When those people were persecuted, Christ was touched. Not because he's remembering, oh yeah, and remembering what he went through with the scourging and all like that. He's touched. He's in you. He's with you. And when they slap you in the face, they're slapping Christ. His presence is there. Amen. I have no greater joy. Brother Branham put it this way at another time. He said, don't let me down. He said, you're my children in the gospel. And he said, you're my kids. Remember, stay in line. So the gospel of Christ. We are children of God. And he's watched over us through prophets all the way down through the ages. Our message theme today is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. And then Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9.6. He said that he was wonderful. Said that Jesus was the mighty God. And that he's the everlasting father. Now I suggest it again. I've said it before at the church. Uh, if you're sending out Christmas cards. Or someone's talking to you. About the baby in the manger. A real nice verse is to use that. Isaiah 9 6. Yeah he was born in a manger alright. A child. Yes. But then take them this verse. Speaking of the same one. They say oh he's the prince of peace. Christmas. Oh. Prince of peace on earth. But then bring out the rest of the verse where he is the mighty God. The same baby that grew up, the same person. He is the everlasting father. We believe that. So anyway, if you're going to send out a verse, that would be a good one. It hits it right on right on the nose. The truth. The light. Does not have the same effect on everybody. Everybody reacts differently to light, natural. And reacts differently to the gospel that's given to them. It's, it's different. Like, for example, in Genesis 1-3, let there be light, God said. And then in Zechariah and other verses, but it shall be light in the evening time, it says. The predestinated sons of God. Now they just became the light folks on all. Light 
in the natural shines on all, all of vegetation and people, and it has an effect. But it doesn't mean that they have been given life. For example, you say the warmth on a rock. So there's a rock, it gets quite warm in the sunlight. It's enlightenment. They hear the gospel. They're enlightened in some way. And the molecules begin to move in a rock. They get some movement in a rock. And something's happening. There's an effect of heat. There's an effect of the sunlight on a rock. But there's no seed in the rock. There's nothing of light going to come forth from that rock. A rock can even hold moisture, as you know, and get wet and hold, depending on the type of rock that it is. Oh, it holds moisture and it gets warm and it gets hot. Oh, yeah, these are little pet rocks, you know. Oh, put it up like that. Oh, but there's no life. It just is around where the effect was. And I think the message of truth is for all. But not all can receive it. So when the message comes forth in the light of the hour in the age, every age has had light. And in our season, it's more light coming to the headship of Christ in his people. Us, the last portion of the bride rising in this age as there has been bride in other ages that will rise. And some hear the gospel. Jesus tells them in another way about seeds. They land on the rocks. They land on the, the dirt where it's just really hard. Hasn't been cultivated. And uh, then there's the tares. But it's different. So it's the same with the sunlight that comes in. The word and the message of the hour. It comes on the, everybody. Say we go into a community. We spread the gospel. And you preach. And you preach over the air and over the internet and services. I remember tent meetings. I remember street meetings on the corner. And working in this manner to reach out and give the gospel forth. And some would stop and listen for a while. Some even would end up coming to church. And they'd sit for a while in church. And like they believed it. And I would give them the benefit. Say yes, they do believe it. But by and by, because of persecution for the word's sake, they're offended. There has to be a seed from God in you first. That answers the call to that word, God, that's shining upon you. Hallelujah. I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we responded. Satan uses uh, instruments. Paul put it this way in one writing. He said, yield not the members of your body as instruments unto Satan or unrighteousness. But yield your body unto God as instruments of holiness, sanctification for the work that God wants to do through you. Satan uses women. He uses men, children. He uses the young, the old, the wealthy, the poor. Satan uses all that. And all had this. And they all had their say against Christ and the message. 
But then God uses those same people. I mean, not the same persons, but the same categories. God uses women, men, children, the young, the old, the wealthy, the poor. He uses them to carry his seed and to spread it by the spoken word through you. Hallelujah. Another verse in the New Testament, Jesus in John 5, 39, he said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they, the scriptures, that testify of me being here, doing what I'm doing, saying what I'm saying. So he said, pointed him back to the prophecies. See in there, it's foretold that a Messiah would come. I am he that speaks to you, he said to the woman at the well. I want to read uh, in Acts 17.10. And 11, the apostles at Berea and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who came thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things be so. Hallelujah. Search the scriptures. Brother Branham and faithful ministers today stay, say what the scriptures say. That's all we have to say is that. Excuse me. Another scripture is in 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm sure you've all remembered that since your youth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Chronicles that you kind of skim over or don't read at all. He begat so and so and he begat so and so and so and so begat so and so. Oh yeah. Well, there's some nuggets in there. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Not just to trace back the lineages of the Old Testament. It's profitable for, Paul said to Timothy, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine's not a bad word. It's, is it a true doctrine or is it a false doctrine? And it's also profitable for reproof. What are you telling me? You're trying to correct me over this? Mom, dad, or just anybody in the church might be helping out. Scriptures are profitable for reproof, and they're also profitable for correction. Well, I want, I have to tell you something right here when it comes to correction. I was out to uh, dinner with a uh, a well-known minister of this message. So I won't give any names. And he told me that another minute, he had invited another minister to his pulpit to preach. And the other minister, you would know him well too. And uh, he said, and then he got in my pulpit and he preached against televisions. Just preached and preached against it. I told him he had no business of doing that. It was in my church. And that's a pastor's responsibility. Not a guest speaker. 
What do you think? Like Brother Branham, he would go to a campaign meeting. And the minister came up to him and said, you shouldn't be telling that women how to dress an immoral. Don't, don't, don't be saying them things. They cut their hair. Don't be saying those things. Well, he, who's going to say it then, Brother Branham said. Yeah. And the man said, well, that's up to the pastors. He said, but they're not doing it. <laughs> so God didn't only call Brother Branham to have meetings out and to say something, but to reprove. It's scripture, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I, I, I'm sure that any message pastor needs to be alerted that if he invites a guest speaker to his pulpit that believes the message, that's what he's going to preach. And the only thing that would censor it, would should censor it, is if God's prophet himself said it differently. And then we take our corrections from all and everything like the prophet said. That the man of God may be perfect. So if you get caught getting corrected, reproved, and instructed for righteousness... It's that you might be perfect or complete, entire, uh, and truly furnished unto all good works. I want to read this uh, few sentences by Brother Branham from the Invisible Union of the Bride of Christ. And uh, paragraph 123. That's my message to you, church. You, that is a union, spiritual union by the word. You are dead to these old husbands. You are born anew. Don't try to dig him up. He's dead. If you're a born again Christian, that little germ that's predestinated in you, it is word coming on word, on word, on word, on word. Yeah. That's five times. Until it comes into the full stature of Christ. That's right. So he can come and get his bride. That song that the children sing, probably still do in a lot of churches, maybe our own. He's still working on me. And when you get as old as I am or older, he'll still be working on you. Isn't that wonderful? He never gives up. He was still working on John when he was in his 90s. But God's bride is walking with God. God has a bride. We don't need to get into twists and turns on doctrine. Brother Branham clearly brings that out. It's the bride for God. And Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, in his fullness. But notice, the bride is walking with their God, their bridegroom, their husband. Not running, not doing flip-flops and cartwheels and joking. We're walking with our husband. God is walking in the garden 
Enoch was walking with God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We are walking with God. The only way that you can determine if you are walking with God or if God is walking with you is if you are obeying what he says. Like in the garden, they failed to obey what God was saying to them in the cool of the evening. And so the slicker, Satan, wasn't the serpent. He's an animal. He's a beast. But Satan slipped under the wall. He came in and he found a prize. Oh, here's one almost like a human. He's got a mind. I'll deal with him. He's handsome. Maybe more handsome than Adam. <coughs> but there he was. Now Satan, now this serpent God had made. And, and I'm going to say it was good. Until Satan filled him, controlled him. There's wonderful people in the world. We'd say they're good people. They're wonderful people. Brother Branham called them good and nice people. But if Satan gets a hold of them, they'll do evil things. So that's the way to tell if you're walking with God or if God is still with you, walking with you, is you have to look at what he is saying. It's it's just that simple. It's just that simple. You don't need signs and miracles and dreams and aberrations and just anything. You, you just need to simply believe the word. Just believe. Now, the quality of believing is this. Everyone in the world believes something. <clears throat> I would venture to say everyone in the whole planet is a believer and always has been a believer. Even the atheists, they believe there is no God. So everyone believes something. And some denominations, they have some truth. But Jesus never said, you must believe a truth. You must believe on Christ. And he is the truth. He's the way, the truth. He's the composite of all truth. We look at different religions in the world that have come up, and it could be many reasons. It could be backslidden uh, uh, the Hebrew uh, nation, and then they would then pick up something even from the Quran and we'll say the the Muslims. They would have some good traits. So in, among every one of them, they'll have a good trait. They'll have this. Well, I believe that. I believe this. And then when you come to the message, then there's things that come into the message that we had believed before. We may not have understood the perfect setting of it. I believe that God, that Jesus Christ was divine before I heard the message. I believe that the Holy Scriptures was God's final word in this. You'll go back to the Bible. Even our church is called uh, Bible Way. That's we go back to the Bible, and so we go to the Word of God for everything. That's our basis, and 
when it comes to then how do how do we know we're a real believer? Say, well, I believe this. I believe I believe five things. Well, I only believe one thing. Okay, well, then you're a believer. Well, you believe one thing. This one believes five. This one believes 99% of the message. So they're a believer. They believe in 99%. But there's a certain specific believer. I've said it before. Real believers always believe. So the way you can judge if a person's a true believer is not what they believe. What do they doubt? What do they question? What have they refused? What have they rejected? Oh, well, I rejected this. I rejected that. But all the rest of it, I believe. You're out. You must eat every word of God. It's just that simple. And Eve was failing to live by every word that she had heard. The creator of her husband. And then when this came down to say, now be, be real careful here, you know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that was not spoken by God originally to Eve. It was spoken to Adam. Adam was her head. And Adam shared these things with her. So after the rib was taken out of Adam, God made uh, Eve a female form and put the feminist from Adam into that as she became a living creature bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh so I'm I'm bringing that to that point we must believe every word and you, you, you're schooled well you'll know that but to what degree is a person not a believer it's when they disbelieve it's when they doubt. It's when they reject something. They don't put it on the shelf and say, Now, Lord, I don't understand this, but I believe it. That's what you should do. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And then in time, because you have not rejected it, God can take that and reveal it to you. You'll be listening to a tape. You'll be going along, and two years later, you'll... My, you're listening. Where'd that come from? And you've all had that experience. And all the pieces just fall in together. Why? How could it do that? Is because you believed what you did not understand. And then God was able to quicken it to you and give you understanding at an appointed time in the future. But once you reject it, it's not there for God to quicken to you. It's gone. And you're a disbeliever, an unbeliever. So we have everybody believe in something, but the bride of Christ will believe every word that our bridegroom husband has said. And he has spoken to this age through William Branham with the clarity, and it's not complicated. You could look at the simplest things, and Brother Branham is just laying it out there, and the Holy Ghost comes. If you wanted a simple humble prophet as an example you got it brother Branham is so humble and so simple in so many ways and God hiding himself in simplicity and then in simplicity he reveals himself another place brother Branham said God is as good in hiding 
himself as he is in revealing himself. I was hid from even knowing that God had sent a prophet to this age until I was 27. And I went through the Pentecostal systems, their colleges, their their universities, preached at the liberal arts college in Springfield, Missouri, and all of that. And it was hid from my ears. I never even heard William Branham's name. God can hide. How could the Apostle Paul be hiding so well, Christ hiding so well, and Paul couldn't see it? But there he was. He said, this is against my church. Their understanding is limited. And that's the limitation I hold myself to, Paul was saying. We're going to bring these people in chains. But then God, Christ, came there and said, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Jehovah? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. I want to mention a quote here from the token. Brother Branham talks about praying and placing the token. Now, you don't place a quote. The token is the Holy Ghost. So when you're praying for someone and you place the token over them, then you're asking the Holy Spirit, God himself, to go to that individual and rest upon them. There's no magic in this, a little token or a book, or I'm going to do this and that. No, it's, the, it's God himself in you. And you're placing that over someone or a situation. And here's the quote, here's the quote that I want to bear to you. Brother Branham said, believe that it is going to help. Now, he's talking about your children and praying for your household And he said, believe. Isn't that simple? Believe that it's going to help. So it's just not, it's not an organizational act. It's not a denominational act. Or I'm just doing this because whatever. No, it's God in you praying for, we'll say, a daughter or a son. And you're asking God to go and be with them and on them effectually. Now, one thing about the speed of God is he doesn't go there. He's already there. You're praying it and God's there fills the heavens and the earth. And he's going to make it effectual there because you're believing that. Believing that it's going to help. He said, first, it must be mixed with faith, with your faith. So you're praying for, we'll say, a a wayward, uh, say, a teenager. And uh, we've all prayed for our families and all prayed for our children. But when you pray for them and you ask the Holy Ghost, to be there effectually working with them in this way, then it must be mixed with your faith that God is going to make a manifestation to them and upon them and through them effectually. 
And now here's another part of the quote. And they must come the same way we did if they come at all. There's no other plan of salvation. So they must come the same way that we came. We came by a death to self. We came by a resurrection and life coming into us. Not just water baptism, but we died to our old self. <clears throat> and we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou and thy house shall be saved. But they had to come the same way. Let's take Hab, uh, Rahab as an example also. Rahab, she was in the house. The string cord was left out. They came... The walls fell down, and everybody that was in the house was saved. She was told, well, you can bring your family in there. You can bring your parents in there. You can bring your children and your aunt, your uncle, anybody you want to that's in your house. Anybody that's in that house will not die. Now, what if that person refused to come into the house? That would not negate what the two witnesses said. It would only enforce it. They were invited to come. Even though they didn't see anything bad going to happen to them. They must come the same way you came. There's no other experience. Peter gave the prescription. He said to those wanting what we do to be saved. He said repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And this promise goes on just the same even to today. This is the same way. We have to come through a death. And that's called re thorough repentance. Amen. So as you may be aware... The accurate title, there, there, there is a book that had a title, The Stature of a Perfect Man. How many has ever heard that, The Stature of a Perfect Man? Now, that's not the actual title that Brother Branham gave to it. In the book, page two, he gives this title to it, Building the Living Tabernacle of the Living God's Dwelling Place. That's you. That's you. God through the ages and to each of us as individuals. But this one body, this bride and all of us united with them that's preceded us. God is building the living tabernacle. People. The living tabernacle of the living God's dwelling place. Where is he going to dwell? In a, tam in a tabernacle. You. His body. That's on this earth. People. There'll be millions. Making it up. This is accomplished in a church universal. A bride throughout seven ages. And in each individual life. This, these characteristics are there. The faith. The faith. The virtue, the knowledge, the temperance, the patience, the godliness. 
And the brotherly kindness and love, that's each of us is showing that. If these things be in you, said Peter, you shall never fall. Brother Branham on page 13 of that sermon said, God changes our nature by sending upon us the Holy Spirit. Then we become into the divine nature of God. Then we become a dwelling place for God. Now you can't trick God. You can't pretend you're in and he's rejected you. And like I said earlier, only unbelief will keep you out. Because God is dealing with believers. Abraham was a believer. He's dealing with believers. Amen. God is here now, this evening, here and at Cloverdale and in your home, wherever you might be. He's here in your, his garden, your garden. He's here. There's other trees. There's other activities. There's animals and people, even a beast, a power. But God is there. Jesus Christ is there. His word is here. Christ has revealed himself in this end time so wonderfully. And he desires for you this evening to walk with him. Step by step. Hearing and obeying his every word. So simple. Remember Nahum in the Old Testament from Syria? Oh, if that truly was God and he was a true prophet of God, he would have just had some clean water and sprinkled it over me. So it was told him by God's prophet, go down here to Jordan and this muddy water, wade out there, get dirty and muddy and go under the water and come up seven times. I believe he did it once. And then he didn't think it was going to work. But the little maid there from Israel, she said, now the prophet said you had to do it seven times. And you can't go to another water to get a shower or a bath. You have this disease. And sin is a disease. And to be cleansed, you've got to do it the way the prophet said. No other substitute. Nothing else will work. Well, I think it'd be just as good if it was like this and like that. And I've seen people leave this message. And, and they're still going to a church somewhere, a Pentecostal church or a Baptist or whatever. And they feel that they're going to be saved. And I have flatly told some, I said, God doesn't have another way of salvation. Is he going to make a special one for you? And if so, he's going to have millions of ways. Then everybody will be saved. It's not going to work that way. There's no other plan, way of salvation. We've got to see that God has provided this. His only provided way. Brother Branham preached in Chicago. And he said God has a provided way for doing anything. He doesn't. He has one provided way. Only one way of doing anything. Not two ways. 
one way. Well, you're going to do it God's way. It's going to be right. You're going to do it your own way. You're not going to get in the ark then. They got in with Noah. That was God's only way. And there were billions that died. Brother Brown said their bodies floated on the water. And their souls went to hell. There's no record on the planet earth of any of them before the flood. What's the name of one rock or rap person? What's the name of one movie? One movie star? One anything? It's not there. It's gone. Noah found faith faith in the eyes of the Lord. Grace. And God used Noah. He prepared an ark. God prepared William Branham. A man born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come into the world speaking lies, needed a born-again experience. And he was born again. And he was filled with God's Spirit. And God raised him up to be the prophet in this end time with a message that goes to the entire planet. And this whole planet will be judged, every human being, By the messages of this prophet, William Branham. It's simple. It's a one-man message. And if you reiterate and say what he said, and God anoints you to do that, then it'll be fine. Amen. Jesus said his yoke was easy. And his burden was light. Amen. Trust and obey. There's no other way. And we love our Lord. Most on the earth, or I should say, all that are Christians have heard of Jesus Christ. But not everyone has heard what Jesus Christ is doing in this end time. They only recognize what he did 2,000 years ago. Let's stand together, if you will. How many this evening would want to raise your hands that you love and you're you're surrendered to the Lord? You want to be surrendered in every way. We do. He sees our hearts. And we want to love him and surrender ourselves to him. Even at the conclusion of this service. There's a song. Jesus the light. It said we'll walk in the light. Beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus. The light of the world. Praise his wonderful name. 
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we have appreciated your presence with us, speaking to our hearts. Quicken the word to us that none of us perish. We're sitting together here as a group, a congregation, that all together we say we are in agreement with you and your word. But as the weeks and the months and the years roll on, we find the stresses of the world and the cares of life and the issues pressed upon us by relatives and worldly people. And there comes, Lord, that we need a refilling of your Holy Spirit or a redying of ourselves and yielding in obedience to what you've already said to us. Bless every man and woman and every child, Lord, here and wherever this message is heard. We give ourselves to you, Lord. We surrender our life and pray that you will move upon us and deal with us continually. Don't let us slip and fail when all we need to do is believe and trust you and you will give us of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask this blessing. Amen. Then we'll turn the service then back to Cloverdale. Sing some songs. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that wonderful? Amen. We desire to walk in the... Amen. I have no greater joy, he read than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. If we walk in truth, then the truth walks in us. And we are the truth walking in flesh in this hour. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? I wonder if you could sing that song, Let Me Walk With You, Jesus. Amen. That old song together. We certainly want that. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, Jesus said. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done. That's all we want, just to be there. As Brother Ken preached, full obedience to the word entitles you to the token. A full surrender, a yielding to what God has for us. What's his desire? Just that we would walk in him and he would walk in us. Amen. Let's make that our prayer as we sing that together this evening. Oh, let me walk.
put the first verse up there for me once again. I want you to look at these words. I've been on the mountain with Jesus. That might be where you are. You might feel like you're on top of the mountain tonight. That's wonderful as long as you're with him. But then the next line says, I've been in this valley so long. Anybody ever been in a valley? Sure, we've all been in a valley. That's what life is. Life is valleys and mountains. We go from one to the other. Troubles come in cycles. You know, he says, it says, but never one time has he failed me. To him with my troubles I go. You know, he never said we would be without troubles, but he said, I'll be with you in the troubles. Amen. He never said you wouldn't have a trial, but I'll be with you in the trial. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Whatever is, is my place in life, whatever, wherever I am in this cycle of life, let me walk with you, Jesus. Let me be filled with the truth. Let your word abide in me and let me abide in your word. Then whatever I ask, it has to happen if I'm abiding in the word. Oh, let's just sing that, that first verse and chorus once again before we dismiss. Let's make it a prayer. I've been on the mountain. I've been in the valley. It doesn't matter where you are. You might be in the hospital tonight. You might be at home. You might be, as our brother Ken said, you might be watching this service somewhere. You're right here tonight. You might have brought something with you. Said, Lord, I need something from you tonight. The one thing you need is him himself. Amen. Lord, I just want to come to you with my troubles tonight. I just want to cast my cares upon you. He said, cast your cares on me. If we cast our cares on him because he careth for you. Amen. Let's sing that together. I've been on the mountain with Jesus. And I've been in the valley so said it doesn't matter what age you are God's still working on you it's not how long you've been in the in this way not how long it's been since you've been baptized it's not how long it's been there isn't a service that goes by where the word is preached that we can't be drawn nearer to God we thank God for what we heard tonight struck my heart I was blessed I'm sure you were blessed and As we bow our heads together, let's just say, Lord, draw me nearer. 
Take your word and plant it in my heart and make me more like you. Make me, Lord, ever sensitive. It's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that we need to be very, very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in this hour. Very sensitive. We can't do it on our own. But Lord, make us sensitive. Make us, Lord, so that we just a nudge from God and we feel it. Just a whisper and we hear it. Just something ever so quiet. But yet as Elijah in the cave hearing the still small voice, we can be moved by God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for that which we have heard tonight. We thank you for Brother Ken, Lord. A pillar in the church, Lord. A man of God whom you've used over the years. And you've you've used the gift that you've placed within him. And Lord, you've blessed the bride around the world through his labors. And Lord, we get to hear once more from him tonight. Father, last time he spoke, the church was forced into a shutdown. Not because of what he spoke, but he was the last one to speak. And Lord, may it be a token now for good tonight as our brother Ken speaks again. A token that, Lord, it's time for the the church to be released from this shutdown. It's time for your people to gather back together. You've commissioned us to gather together in these last days. Lord, we desire that with all of our hearts. But Lord, as we have these services, whether they be at the camp and there are believers there, whether it be streamed in the service here, Lord, whether it be streamed in our homes, Lord, whatever it is, we say, may it draw us nearer unto you, O God. Lord, take it and do it a supernatural work because it's not, it's not the presence of the man, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that moves within our lives, drawing us nearer. Lord, if there be sickness tonight, maybe there's somebody, Lord, that's needy even right now. They're praying, Father, you know my need, you know my troubles. I'm coming to you with my troubles. Lord, may the healing virtue of Calvary that was loose there by those stripes, may it go to the individual, Lord. May it loose them from their sickness. May it loose healing upon them, O God. May it deliver them and may it pour in faith and virtue, Lord. If there be someone troubled in their mind, may it be peace to them tonight. Lord, if there be someone without you, Lord, may they lift up their their uh, eyes as it were to heaven and accept the blood that was shed for them at Calvary. Lord, we commit each and every one into your hands. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. Almighty God, you who are the supernatural one, we've done what we can do. Now we commit this service to you. We commit the songs. We commit the word. We commit it all into your hands now, Lord. It will not return to you void. It will accomplish what you sent it out to do. And so we pray your blessing upon it now. Bless those that are here at the camp, out over the internet. May you be with them each and every one this evening as we commit our lives afresh into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name. Oh, draw me
ourselves to Him on the first verse. Oh, I God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. Just mind the Lord. God bless you.